Yassis, and welcome to the Greece Travel Secrets podcast. Your host is the founder of the Greece Travel Secrets website, Sandy Pappas, and she's joined by a variety of guests covering all sorts of topics about visiting Greece and making the most of your Greek odyssey. Hello and welcome to this episode of Greece Travel Secrets, which is going to be about Athens, the capital of Greece. I felt that I couldn't go much longer with this podcast caper without talking about Athens. It does play a vital role in, of course, the economy of Greece, the tourism industry, and it's home to the majority of the Greek people. So, Let's talk more about Athens and how you can visit the capital and make the most of it because there really is a lot to see and do there and you would be doing yourself a disservice if you do not give it at least a couple of days. In fact, I may as well say right from the get-go, it's really disappointing when I hear people say, oh, you know, don't bother with Athens, it's not worth it, one day is enough. Seriously, I really think people that say that have not tried very hard at all. Um, Sure, you can jump off your cruise ship and see the Acropolis and tick a few things off, but never ceases to amaze me how many things there are to see and do there. And despite how many times I've been, every single year I come across entire neighbourhoods that I've never even heard of that have all these wonderful things to offer. So don't write it off, don't discount it and, you know, bear with me. Hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll understand a lot more about where I'm coming from. So what is Athens? A little bit of background. Um, Well, as I said earlier, it is the capital of Greece and it's the largest city in Greece as well. It was named after the warrior goddess Athena, which in fact is what the Greeks say. They call Athens Athena. Its history goes back over three and a half thousand years and is called the cradle of Western civilization and the home of democracy. Today, it's home to around 4 million people. It's the southernmost city in Europe and it's also the warmest. Another reason to make sure you have it on your itinerary. It's the capital of a region or a state called Attica and it's one of the biggest economic centres in southeast Europe. Here's a fun fact. The port called Piraeus is in fact the largest passenger port in Europe and the second largest in the world, which just, you know, speaks volumes about the number of cruise ships and ferries going in and out of that port. Now, as well as being home to numerous ancient wonders, which includes two UNESCO World Heritage Sites, it's also, of course, been home to the first modern Olympics back in 1896. Now, Greece and Greek mythology, of course, go hand in hand. And I'd like to tell you a little bit more about that story about Athena. It may just be a story, sure, but hey, for many, many generations, this was their religion. Greek mythology was the religion of the time in the Greek Empire. And these were the stories that shaped their culture. So, as I said earlier, Athens is named after Athena. She was the goddess of war and wisdom, and she was the daughter of Zeus, the king of all gods. Now, legend has it, she fought her uncle, Poseidon. Poseidon was the king of the sea. 
the king of Athens or the town or the city at the time, who was a mortal, not a god, said that whoever could give him the best gift for the city would be the winner. So Poseidon gave Athens salt water and hence the wonderful location that it is on at the sea. And Athena gave them the olive tree, which is why her symbol to this day is the olive branch as well as the owl. And Athena won. So the city was named after her and to this day is still called Athena. Officially, it's believed that the city has been occupied for probably about 5,000 years. By the year 1400, it was a major Mycenaean centre and the Acropolis was a Mycenaean fortress. After that, there were the Greco-Persian Wars um, where they joined with Sparta and they beat the Persians. After that came an era that they called the Golden Age of Athenian Democracy where the city flourished and during that time it produced famous historians, uh, major playwrights who invented the concept of the theatre. The father of medicine was in Athens at the time, Hippocrates. The famous philosophers came along such as Socrates. There was a major period of expansion during that time when they built the Parthenon as a temple to Athena. So, you know, even right there, you can see how powerful Athens has been and still is as a contribution to the world as a whole with all of those things that they invented. It truly is extraordinary when you think about it. Now, in the mid-4th century, they were defeated by the Macedonians and then later by Rome. Of course, by this stage, the Greek Empire was contracting and the Roman Empire was expanding rapidly throughout the world. Emperor Hadrian of Rome came along and he built the aqueducts, he built libraries, he built the agoras, which are the markets, and he built a number of temples, such as the Temple of Olympian Zeus, of which you can see some of it today. By the end of antiquity, other conquerors, particularly some of the Germanic and other European conquerors, had come along and caused a lot of destruction to Athens. But they did introduce churches, which was a new concept to Greece. Greece then prospered quite significantly during the Crusades. Then they were conquered again by the Ottomans. And then there was the Greek War of Independence, which established the Kingdom of Greece as we know it today. And in fact, the first capital of Greece was the small city of Nafplio, which is now two hours drive west of Athens. And not long after it became Athens. The population increased significantly after World War II, um, leading to the huge urban sprawl that we do see there today. The city cleaned up quite a lot for the 2004 Olympics. Then along came the global financial crisis, or the GFC, or as the Greeks call it, the crisis. That was in 2008. And sadly, it affected Greece quite significantly. There was huge unemployment, particularly among the youth which in turn led to an upturn in crime and a huge wave of graffiti around the city, something that you will still see a lot of. 
things started to get a lot better for the Greeks in, in recent years. Tourism in particular has been booming and they were really starting to get on their feet again, especially with a pretty stable government. And of course, here we are in 2020 and the time of COVID-19, which will most definitely impact Greece as it will all economies. How and to what extent remains to be seen. But anyway, that is Athens in a nutshell in terms of history and how it was established. So let's talk more now about, you know, tourism and what you'd do as a tourist if you were visiting Athens. I guess it's worth mentioning how you would get to Athens. It, of course, has an international airport and that is where most people um, arrive. But as I said earlier, with a, with a port like Piraeus, there are also a huge number of people that arrive by sea and they may come on ferries from other islands, from other countries such as Italy or Turkey and they may come overland either by train or by car. Athens has a huge range of accommodation and again until this COVID crisis it had one of the largest number of Airbnb properties anywhere on the planet, possibly a few too many, and that was causing some other social issues. So it will be interesting to see what happens moving forward. I know a lot of those properties have been taken off the market and are back in the long-term rental pools. But there's also a lot of lovely hotels, a lot of small hotels, and Hotels and accommodation in general in Athens is really quite affordable compared to other European capitals. You'll get a lot more bangs for your buck in Athens. So let's talk about what there is to see and do in this amazing city. I've talked it up quite a bit now, so you're probably thinking to yourself, okay, girl, now you've got to convince us about why we should spend so much time in this in this city. So Let's talk about the things that there are to see. Clearly, it is a city that is quite famous for its ancient and archaeological sites. And none more famous, of course, than the Acropolis. The Acropolis, as I mentioned earlier, was originally built and was occupied by the Mycenaean kings. But it went on throughout the course of many centuries to be occupied by various different um, people. It has been used as a mosque. Um, it's been used for various different religions. There were a number of temples built there. And just to be, um, I guess, a really important point about the Acropolis is it's considered a citadel, so like a walled city. And Athens was home to this big rocky outcrop right in the middle of the, the plateau or the basin. And that's where they decided to build this temple at the, at the very top of that. So it's right smack bang in the middle of Athens and the whole city just sprawls out around it. And all of the ancient sites and everything that you want to see and do is all around the perimeter and the base of the Acropolis. So you can easily just spend, you know, days just wandering around the perimeter of, of the, the hill and everything you really need to see and do, and most of the highlights of Athens are located in that area and all very walkable. It's fairly flat and very easy to get around. 
So seeing the Acropolis obviously is a must-do and I've been there a couple of times now and I'll go again. It's one of those places that never ceases to awe and inspire you and hopefully you'll also be able to get a hotel in Athens that has a view of the Acropolis and every time you look out the window you'll just think, wow. Um, so it's very, very worthwhile. It can get very crowded. I have a whole guide on the website at greasetravelsecrets.com about visiting the Acropolis and some tips on how to avoid those crowds and how to make the most of your visit. It also talks about another thing to do in Athens that I highly recommend and you should try and do these two things together and that is to visit the Acropolis Museum. This is located near the northern gate of the Acropolis and it's quite new. It was only built about 10 years ago. It's architecturally quite stunning. It's a big glass and steel structure. And inside this museum are all the artefacts and things of interest that they have excavated from the Acropolis itself and they're safely homed inside the museum. It's also sitting over the top of an ancient um, village and you can see the ruins and in fact even walk over them on a glass floor which is quite special and has only just recently been opened up in that respect. So try and do both of those things. It doesn't matter which way around you do it but we usually recommend you do them on the same day. They're very close together and a lot of the tickets that you buy will package them up anyway. So look, they're the two main things that everyone that goes to Athens does. The Acropolis Museum is located in a neighbourhood of Athens called Plaka and that is probably one of the prettiest parts of Athens. It's quite touristic, probably one of the most touristic parts of the city, but in a nice way. You know, it's got lovely little, you know, souvenir shops. There's lots of tavernas and cafes and restaurants and boutiques and galleries and things to see and do. And several of the streets are blocked off to cars and are pedestrian only. So you can wander around there, it feels a bit like a village, like an island even, and um, it's a lovely part of Athens. So you can wander around there, and then it can take you, if you sort of head off from the uh, museum in a northeast direction, you will see quite quickly another ancient site there called the Temple of Olympian Zeus, which was built by uh, the Roman Emperor Hadrian. And then you can walk along that busy road and actually it then turns into the botanical gardens, which are very beautiful and lovely to visit on a, on a hot summer day, very cool. And at the top of those gardens is Parliament House and Syntagma Square, which is where you can see the Evzones. So this is one of my favourite things to do in Athens. These are the presidential uh, guards. They guard the tomb of the unknown soldier outside parliament. And they're very distinctive. You've probably all seen photos of them. They wear a very distinctive uniform with a pleated skirt and their pom-pom shoes. And they also do a very distinctive goose step style march. And you can witness them doing the changing of the guard every hour on the hour right there outside Parliament. So that's something really fun to do. Kids especially love to see it, but I go and see it every time I'm in Athens. It's a real honour to be chosen as an Evzones. 
So these young men are very proud and their families are fiercely proud of, of their role and they take it very, very seriously. So it's free, it's right there, as I said, on the hour, every hour. So make sure you go and do that. And then you can also explore other things around Syntagma Square. This square is like most cities, there's always a square where people tend to congregate for special occasions, maybe a festival, often in, in Athens a protest march, things like that. It's been around a long time. There is a metro station there as well, so it can be quite busy. And it's surrounded by some very high-end hotels and shops. Most notably, the very famous Grand Breton Hotel, which is considered probably the most exclusive and most expensive hotel in Athens and in all of Greece. And many, many famous people have stayed in that hotel over the years. Lots of celebrities, actors, dictators, well-known um, underground figures. When you go in there, you'll see a lot of photos on the wall of all of these sorts of people. People like Sophia Loren and, you know, Anassis. So you, you can also go up there if you can't afford to stay there, which most of us probably can't, you can go up and have a drink at the rooftop bar, which has magnificent views back over the city, over the square and the Evzones and right over the Acropolis. So it might be probably the most expensive drink you'll have in Greece, but it's definitely worth doing even if you can just have one. Now, just off Syntagma Square is... Ermu Street. So this is the major pedestrian street in Athens. Obviously it's it's not open to vehicles and you know, a lot of people in, in other countries might call this a mall and it's full of all sorts of shops. All the high street brands are there. That's where you'll find Zara and H&M and all of those big brands, certain um, small department stores, lots and lots and lots of shoe shops and jewellery stores, the things that the Greeks seem to be so good at. So, look, you, you know, you're going to spend some time in Athens. You're going to go down Ermu Street at some stage, particularly if you are like me and you might like to do a spot of shopping. When you get to the end of Ermu Street and also, in fact, uh, running parallel with it, is another street called Metropolis and then both of those streets end roughly around an area called Monasteraki and there is a, f a famous square there as well called, unsurprisingly, Monasteraki Square. There's a metro station there and that square is the other famous and very popular square in Athens where people tend to congregate and meet there are a number of things of interest around there, in particular the Monasteraki Flea Market, which is just one, one sort of street back. And um, lots of stalls, lots of great taverners, lots of tourists in this area. If you wander through there and back towards the Acropolis, which of course will be your major landmark, you can't miss it in this city, so it's fabulous. It's very hard to get lost in Athens. You will wander through an area that is full of ancient ruins, including the ancient Agora. So Agora in Greek means market. This is where back in ancient times people used to come and trade. 
Uh, it's also where a lot of the famous philosophers, this is where, you know, Socrates would have taught his students under the trees. This would have been sort of the heartbeat of ancient Greece at one stage where they were, you know, trading in the market, but there were also temples there, there were libraries. Some of these things are still very well preserved, actually. The Temple of Hephaestus is uh, one of the best preserved temples in Greece and um, has been turned into a museum. So you can go in there and see, you know, life as it once was back back in, in ancient times. So... You can easily spend a couple of hours in that area and it's such a contrast between, you know, the newer shops and the flea market in Monastoraki, only, you know, metres away really with modern Greece um, meeting ancient Greece right there in front of your eyes. So definitely spend some time there. And then one of our favourite parts of Athens is then just north of this area, it's an area called Siri, that's spelled P-S-I-R-I, or you may see it as P-S-Y-R-I. It is probably the most bohemian part of Athens. It's a bit grungy. There's lots of really cool little bars and, and cafes and tavernas. This is where you might find people playing live music on the bazooki at night time. It's, it's where a lot of the nightlife happens. And I'm not talking about big nightclubs here. I'm talking about small, intimate bars and tavernas. There's a lot of graffiti in this area. You'll see graffiti all over Athens, which is unfortunate, but it is improving. And the reason it's improving is because of this very robust street art industry that has flourished in Athens. And in particular in Syria, you'll see a huge amount of really very good street art. So it's worth wandering around there. We, we actually usually try and stay in Syria and we spend a lot of time there just sitting around, wandering around. Take a, a moment to really um, observe some of this art that you'll see because it pops up in often the most unexpected places. And just behind Siri, um, a very short walk, only another block or so, you'll come across the central market of Athens. This takes up a couple of blocks. It's, it's officially called the Central Municipal Market. And inside, um, much of it is indoors. There you'll find all these butchers and fishmongers and other vendors selling lots of fresh food. But even all around the market, as is often the case with these big food markets, there's lots and lots of vendors selling all sorts of things, plants and herbs and spices and wine and fruit and vegetables and tea. And there's entire massive stores selling nothing but, you know, sausages and delicatessen lines and um, lots of really great little cafes and tavernas around there too because, of course, they're sourcing the food so freshly from, from the market nearby. So it's easy to spend quite a bit of time in that entire area and, and go back. I mean, we go back every time we visit Athens and we always seem to find another street and another taverna and another place that we'd never heard of. It is a great neighbourhood to spend some time, very lively, particularly at night time. So speaking of nighttime, um, look, like much of Greece, Athens really comes alive at nighttime. It's got a fabulous atmosphere. They have late dinners. 
like many places on the Mediterranean, they tend to have very uh, late lunches, perhaps a nap, and then dinner. Normally does not occur before 10pm. So if you see people out having dinner at 7 or 8 o'clock at night, like you might have at home, those people are all tourists. The locals go out more like maybe even 11, and they may not go to bed until 2 or 3 in the morning. Um, which, you know, is kind of inducive to the weather and certainly the holiday atmosphere during the tourist season. I know that we've certainly uh, adjusted to that sort of time frame quite nicely. It's funny how you do that quite quickly. But anyway, Athens really comes alive at night time. The tavernas and the restaurants after sort of, you know, eight o'clock are usually just packed. Everything's buzzing. And then people love to go up to one of the rooftop bars and rooftop restaurants. There's more and more of them opening each year. It's also nice, of course, to have a drink up on one of the rooftop bars um, before dinner when the sun may be setting. It usually sets in summer after 8, closer to 9 p.m. And there's a number of great bars that you can go to now. So again, on the website, I have uh, a guide to uh, several guides to Athens. One in particular talks about what you might do in just one day in Athens. And it lists a number of uh, restaurants and tavernas and bars that we particularly love to go to. So you can find them all there. Now, I could spend hours talking about Athens. There's a lot more things to do and see there, but we are getting short on time and I do want to wrap this up soon. It is worth mentioning that there are a number of day trips you can do from Athens, really exceptionally good day trips too. So you don't have to drag your bags all around the place and stay somewhere new every night. You can base yourself in Athens for three, four, five days and do a couple of these day trips to again really maximise your time in the city. Some of those day trips would include visits out to the incredible temple and sacred site of Delphi. On the way you may opt to stop somewhere like the Corinth Canal and ancient Corinth. You may go and uh, check out some of the northern parts of the Peloponnese such as the city of Nafplio and some of the ancient sites around around it such as the beautiful theatre and sanctuary of Epidavros. You may even do a day trip, although we normally recommend an overnight trip up to the incredible monasteries in Meteora. And the other thing that you can do, which is extremely popular, we've done it ourselves, is you can go and visit some of the Saronic Islands, which are only sort of one to two hours away by ferry from Athens. So you can easily do that just by catching the public ferries, or you can grab a a tour, jump on one of the organised cruises that go out and visit several of them in a day. There's also an area south of Athens that obviously goes all along the coast, and it's nicely referred to as the Athenian Riviera. There's a number of lovely beaches there and it is actually quite a popular holiday area for Greeks. There's a number of resorts, uh, lots of accommodation, different styles, small hotels, big hotels. There's even a a Four Seasons hotel down there. Several marinas and lots and lots of beach activities. 
So it's it's a nice spot to go, whether it's just for the day or, in fact, we've even sometimes chosen to spend a few nights there rather than go back into Athens itself, say, at the end of a trip. It's actually a little bit closer and a little bit quicker to get to the airport from there as well and to the port of Piraeus. So that's an area definitely worth exploring. It also has some ancient sites such as at the Cape of Sunion where you can see the Temple of Apollo. So all of these wonderful day trips or longer trips again can be found in articles on the website so head to Greece Travel Secrets if you look up the page for Athens you'll see quite a lot of information there there's an article on things to do where to stay uh, day trips from Athens which lists most of the things I just mentioned and there's also some itinerary guides that are quite lengthy. Also, don't forget to download, you can get a printable copy of a, an entire seven-day itinerary, which includes a lot of suggestions for Athens. So go to the website again, and up on the top right-hand menu bar, you'll see uh, a section called Free Itinerary, and simply fill that out, and it will pop into your inbox. So that concludes, I, I think for today, we'll wrap that up on Athens. As I said, there's so much more I could say. I'm sure I will do uh, subsequent other episodes on Athens in the future. But I hope it was enough for you to understand why we're so passionate about Athens, why we do highly recommend it to people. Don't write it off as just another big city. It's different to other European cities, although it's similar as well. It's very charming. It's, it's one of those cities that gets under your skin and you keep discovering new layers of it every time you visit. So I hope you get to enjoy it as much as we do. And I'd love to hear your feedback if you have any suggestions or any feedback on the podcast and the website. Please, by all means, reach out to me here or on the Facebook group. So once again, you'll find all the resources at greasetravelsecrets.com. Thank you again for listening, or F. Callistor, and I hope that wherever you are, you stay safe, and I look forward to talking to you again next time.